everyone. Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. So today you're going to be hearing from my beautiful friend, Molly Hentz. I met Molly a few years ago in New York City when we were working with a meditation studio at the time. And I just remember from the first day I met Molly, I loved her. She's so warm, so caring, so kind. And at the time, she was also just finishing up her master's degree with NYU studying nutrition and food studies. And it's been so cool to watch her journey because she's now started her own business, which is called Humble Habits. And she has a really unique approach to nutrition because she pairs it with mindfulness. And I love that she just gets to the root of why people eat the way that they do and our habits around nutrition. So we talk about all of that in this episode from her approach to nutrition to holistic healing in general and daily practices that she's keeping up to keep herself healthy in the long run. And we also get into disordered eating, which is unfortunately so common in not only women, but also men. So we talk about all of it. We cover all the bases. (laughs) I think you're going to love this one, you guys. And thank you so much for being here. I love having this opportunity to connect with you guys. And I'll talk to you on the flip side. How do you like to start your day off? Do you have a morning routine or rituals that you do in the morning? I do. And um, that's been one of the best uh, grounding self-love practices, especially when I lived in New York, because if I didn't have these grounding rituals that really set the tone for the day. I'd just be kind of all over the place. Um, and they have evolved and they ebb and flow. And in New York, one of them, one of the big main morning rituals was coffee for me because it is warm and it is grounding, uh, but it's also a stimulant. And mm-hmm. um, so after a while, I realized that that was kind of a a little less mindful than I would have liked. It kind of turned from a ritual into a routine, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now during this time of, of COVID and transition and change, I've um, I've kind of adopted a lot of new ones. Um, I really tried not to look at my phone too quickly. Um, The headlines or Instagram or even Gmail. Um, So instead, and especially as I've been in Hawaii, just kind of like turning to my boyfriend and getting some skin-to-skin contact and um, really just telling myself and reminding myself that I'm safe and that this is a new day and um, kind of like a rebirthing process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wash my face, brush my teeth. I'm a big fan of the tongue scraper. It's amazing. And you truly, I believe it's, you won't go back. Um, mm-hmm. It's equal parts disgusting and satisfying because you, you see um, so much that comes off. Um and that kind of keeps you doing it because you're like, otherwise, I'm just going to live my life with all this like gunk on my tongue. Um, and, but it's fascinating. So this is an ancient Ayurvedic practice that has been used for centuries. And essentially, when you're sleeping, the body's detoxifying. And so it kind of when you like if you dry brush, you start from the bottom and you go to the top and 
you bring the toxins out, it's the same thing. So like all the toxins are kind of coming out, coming out naturally as you're sleeping and the body can only get them so far. And so you just have to kind of like do the little last inch, um, which is like so easy and simple and, and you're brushing your teeth anyways. So they call that like um, a foundational habit where you can build the habit on another habit. Um, and it's just amazing. I love it. It's, and I've yeah. given them as Christmas presents. My boyfriend does it now too. And um, yeah, it's, it feels great. That's amazing. You know, I think a lot of people are kind of hearing about this, but I love how you just explained it as it's like the last place where our toxins are building up and we just need to kind of let it go something that I've been coming back to recently and I just spoke to a friend who had a baby and, and was talking about kind of um, nursing herself back to full health and immunity because having a baby is a lot of work and it, your body goes through so much and she was talking about really supporting her body through the process and it is this relationship you know our body does so much for us that we that we don't even realize uh, breathing even our heart is beating we're not telling it to beat um but it is this like collaboration and i think it's really cool when you can see it that way and you're like oh my body's already doing you know this this and this i just have to participate a little more in the conversation mm. um and really tune into what it's saying similar to the coffee thing mm. um where it's like okay this was this was working for me here. It's not really working for me here. It's actually doing the opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so easy to wake up in this like frantic state of mind. I have to catch myself too, to the point where I actually need to turn my phone completely off, like not even airplane mode, like so that I wake up and, and I can work through that franticness. That's just like, okay, check the phone. What's going on, especially in a new environment when you're trying to get your bearings. And I love that you mentioned just making sure that you feel safe and grounded in the morning and that you can be with your partner. And, and I'm sure that's really important for partnership too, is to share that moment of presence together in the morning without all those distractions. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. as the day goes on, the distractions just keep coming and it's, it's harder to have those moments. I've, I've found that, especially with rituals and with these little moments of presences, we, we want to force it sometimes, like connect with me now, connect with me here. It's like, we should connect when it's most natural for us to connect. And for us, that's in the morning before we have touched any of either of our phones, before we've even had a glass of water as we're having a glass of water. Um, but in those little natural moments of like, oh, this works. Mm, yes. Yeah. So I want to also talk to you about your beginnings of coming into your spiritual practices and starting to understand yourself as a soul having a physical experience. How did that really start to sink in for you? And, and what was that like? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of resistance um, for sure in the beginning. Um, and a lot of that came up for me in different coping mechanisms, um, whether that was, you know, I, growing up, I guess, first it started with shopping in high school and um, like drinking and smoking pot and um, and there was food. And so there were all these like impulsions because I had all these thoughts and I was feeling all these feelings, but I didn't fully know how to understand or 
even, you know, live with them or integrate them or be aligned with them. And so I found myself reaching to all these other outlets, I guess, as a distraction, um, a little like way to kind of turn away from it. Because um, I think when we realize that we are these dynamic spiritual beings, it's, it can be kind of intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of shadow work involved and um, really seeing yourself in a full kaleidoscope of colors. I think as we go through adolescence, we kind of create this identity of, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a good student, I'm a good daughter, I'm a good friend. I like this, I like that, you know, I don't like that. And then we evolve and change and we're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm actually, I don't, those things don't resonate with me anymore. And then along the path, you're like, well, if I'm, if I'm not what I thought I was, then who am I? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this, um, it is this really beautiful awakening experience Um with so much potential, but in the same time can be quite daunting. Um, So I really just, I was one foot in front of the other and truly moving, I guess, from one, I don't want to say negative coping mechanism to a lesser of the evil, to a lesser of the evil. Um, But sort of, like for a while, I was really obsessed with self-help and self-help books. And I was reading every single book But I was then realizing like, okay, I'm reading the books, but I don't feel like I'm fully integrating what they're saying. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm getting the information, but there's no assimilation. Um, And then that was a really pivotal moment because it was like, okay, you can read all the books and you can, you can, you know, tune into all the, all the leaders in front of you and hear what they're saying. But if, if you're not if you're not turning it into how you're living your life, then it's not really sticking. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, that's just been a, a fascinating realization too, because there really is no end to this game. It's, it's all a, a direction. And I think that's a really cool space that I'm in now where I still read the books. I still tune into what everybody's saying or what my favorite, you know, thought and spiritual leaders are saying, but it's, I have like a filter a little bit where it's like, I take what makes sense and I leave what doesn't. And I'm, I'm no longer just like grabbing at anything that's moving in front of me because I have no idea what I'm doing and I, I need all the help. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I, I have been on the same trajectory as you. I can relate so deeply to what you're saying. I've been kind of through the extremes of um, kind of toxic habits to a little less and like, okay, okay. Um, so how do you now, after filtering through all of these books, all these teachings, how do you come back to your soul connection every day? Does it look like, do you like to do daily meditation? Like what habits do you keep up to just make sure that you stay centered like that? Yeah. Daily meditation is really important for me. Um, I really love the way that um, Quest loves, he talks about it. He says we have these little moments of hyper um, connection and hyper focus. And oftentimes it's a moment where you feel like you're zoning out Mm -hmm. and um, you might actually be zoning in 
And so kind of creating these little micro meditations throughout the day where it's like, when you're like looking at, you focus super, you get super focused on something and then you allow yourself to kind of be in that space. Um, I really enjoy that uh, as well as um, I've been doing a lot of like laying down meditations for a while. I thought that all my meditations had to be sitting up straight, you know, shoulders back, back away from a wall. And while I do love those, cause you feel very, very connected and you're finding space between heaven and earth. Um, I actually like, I really enjoy putting my lavender eye pillow on and doing a 20, 30 minute um, meditation. Uh, it's really, I guess, learning how to, how to kind of dance with these rituals because um, when you, or for me at least, I became really serious about the spiritual path very quickly. I think because I realized how many issues I had and I was like, all right, you got to do this. It's, it's funny. It's like you think yoga teachers are these like super zen, like super chill, just like perfect humans. It's like, no way. We saw everything going on in our heads and in our hearts. And this was, this is the way that we found that cope to make us better people. Mm. And that's why we do it so religiously because we have to. Yeah. Um, and so yoga is a huge part of it too, even if it's a 10, 15 minute flow, a couple of sun salutations, mm-hmm. um, essential oils. I love eucalyptus is really beautiful, especially in the morning to just drop a couple drops in your hands and put it up to your face and taking a few deep breaths. Um, that sounds like yeah. a really nice alternative to coffee that could help me too, just to work in some aromatherapy in the morning instead of going right for the coffee. Totally. And just put it right by your bed. We, we have one lavender and one eucalyptus right by our bed. And so, and I love it too. Like now my boyfriend who is just amazing, but I, I'm just, wouldn't be into essential oils probably without me. Um, he's, he grabs them and he does it himself, mm-hmm. you know, like he'll pull a tarot card himself. And I'm in the <laughs> other room just like beaming, like, this is that. so amazing. And tarot yeah. cards are another one that I know that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a grounding, affirming uh, ritual and practice that is just such a cool tool to it have. It is. It's really like it shows you what you're already internalizing and believing. So I was talking about this with a buddy the other day. He was like, I'm just a little weirded out by it. I don't know. I'm like, you know, it's whatever you make it. Like this is not a prediction of the future in any way. It's giving you clarity. So whatever you pull, it's going to bring out what's already deep in your belief systems that you can acknowledge and then release or decide whatever you want to do with it. But it can be so validating too, because the synchronicities that come out in the cards sometimes are just wild. I wish you could see you just gave me goosebumps it's it's so true and um it really is just a a a tool that brings clarity and every card is up for your interpretation and it really allows us to see the different parts of like oh I never thought of it that way or wow I knew I was feeling something but I couldn't quite put the words to it and Mm -hmm. it is especially now when kind of the world seems upside down it's it's a very, it's like a little lamppost on this dark street where you're like, 
where am I going? Yeah, right. And it's just like anything that we can do to remind ourselves that it's all going to be okay. Like it, everything is working out best case scenario. I always have that running through my head. Um, yeah, and it's just a beautiful way to keep us grounded. So I love those tools. And so now I think we can shift into talking about nutrition as well, because nutrition is also very spiritually based if you look at it from a certain lens and as a way of honoring and respecting our our vessels. So can you talk to us about how you got into nutrition and and how you look at nutrition? Definitely. Um, So it is, I think, deeply tied to my spiritual path as well. Um, Just noticing my impulses um, throughout childhood and adolescence and then in my early 20s. Um, I've always loved food growing up. I, I think it was the camaraderie of it all and like parties and people coming together. And like, even as a little kid, um, I would ask my parents before every like family outing, I would just say, will there be food there? It was like this cutest little, and I, I like vaguely remember doing that. Um, but then I, part of me is like, wow, they really that obsessed. <laughs> but it's so good. It's so pleasurable. And it really is beautiful. People from all walks of life, like it's, it's the one common thread that we all share um, is that we all need to eat and um, we do it together. We do it when we're celebrating. We do it when we're mourning. We do it for entertainment, we do, you know, in all of the ways. Um, And so food for me, I really just enjoyed it from a very young age. Um, And then in high school, I think I I began to kind of create a little bit of disordered eating. Um, There was a lot of, I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, was a little bit of a perfectionist. I had to get straight A's and be a tri-varsity athlete and be very social um, and be very thin. Um, And these kind of carried over into my college years and it really just was unsustainable. Um, It didn't make me feel good. And it just felt like this constant battle with myself where it was like, I want this, but I can't have this. But now that I can't have it, I need it. And so it became kind of psychological. It was like, you're not allowed to eat pizza. Okay. So now during the day, I'm not eating pizza. But then at night when I'm drinking with my friends and someone gets a late night pizza delivered, I'm in the space of like, oh my God, there's this thing that I'm not allowed to have. So I need to eat as much as possible because I don't know when I'm allowed, I don't know when it's going to be here again. So a lot of it became, you know, psychological for me, um, which is why mindfulness and spirituality was so uh was so important um and just kind of obvious i remember meditating one day and and thinking about where my mind kept going and just all these impulse impulsive thoughts and learning how to hold them less tightly and learning how to run less far with them and then i was like all right word if i can do this with my mind i can do this I can do this with my mind around food and I can do this with my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started asking more questions like, why, why can't I have pizza? You know, if why, or why, why do, what are these rules? I don't even know. I didn't, I don't even think I created these rules. I feel like they were handed down to me or, you know, impressed upon me. Um, And 
I really started to get to the core of, of like what was going on in my mind and what was going on in my body. And I, and I realized that I was creating these kind of dead ends. I'd go through these periods of really, you know, perfect eating. And then I would have one cookie and then it all be down the drain. Um, whereas now today it's like, I recognize I have a sweet tooth. I have a cookie and then I move on with my life. It's not a big deal. Totally. But at that point in my life, it was like this, um, this obsessive kind of trying to keep control. Um, and it's been really beautiful to see. And I, I wrote my final thesis on this for my, uh, my master's program. It was a, a mindfulness and nutrition program because I really, truly believe that the future of, of healthful eating um, as we now know that, you know, 95% of diets fail and um, they're just temporary kind of like quick fixes for things and long-term healthy living is not a quick fix. It's a lifestyle um, that we have to live all the time is that mindfulness and awareness you know, is the foundation of, of feeling good in our bodies and feeding our bodies with foods that make us feel good and with real foods, not fake phantom foods that have, you know, 72 ingredients and I don't even know how to pronounce and there's 50 synonyms for sugar. And mm. so it, it, it's tough. Um, but for me, I guess my journey with food was, was parallel to my journey um, with my relationship with myself. Um, Cause I started to ask the real questions of like, all right, what are you really hungry for? You know, like if you want the pizza, eat the pizza. But I think, I think you want better relationships with women friends, or I think you're looking for a more fulfilling, you know, intimate relationship with a partner, or I think you don't like the path that you're on right now professionally. Um, and I realized that, I was kind of using food as a, as another, as a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. I just love that you were able to be vulnerable there and, and share your experience with disordered eating because I've been right there with you and it's so common, which is the crazy thing. Like I see statistics like, Oh, like one in seven women or something like that have. And I'm like, no, almost every single one of my female friends has dealt with disordered eating to some extent or degree and it seems to be so deeply rooted in fear and just trying to make ourselves small. And I think it goes so deeply into this consumerist world that we live in. Like you're not enough unless you look this way or unless you buy these products or unless you eat that way. And, and I think even the wellness industry can be a little bit tricky there because, all right, you're not good enough unless you're vegan or, or this and this and this and this. And it's like so many different ways that we're supposed to be eating and we're supposed to be behaving. And yeah, it's really just that journey of finding out yourself. What are exactly like you said, what are you hungry for? I think that's such a beautiful way of describing that journey. Like what is it that's making me eat like this or behave like this or pacify myself like this? What's going on? And I, I felt the same. I had that same kind of shift. And now I think instead of, is it good or bad? Am I harming or healing myself? Like that's what I try to think of now when I eat. But, and I love doing your meditation mm -hmm. yesterday that you posted on Instagram. And I, mm -hmm. and I just think you're so wise to say, this isn't something that we perfect. 
like in mindfulness and nutrition, it's a practice. It's a daily practice. And there's never just this point where it's going to be perfect. It's like just showing up every day for that, for that inner work. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to say that I'm a recovering perfectionist because I really became obsessed with it in, in high school. I think just wanting to be the, the great student and the great daughter and the great friend and this and this and this, this, I was like chasing this ever elusive, perfect Molly that I never, I never found her. And um, it just, it just set me up for feeling sad and, and not following through with what I really wanted because I had the cookie or, you know, I, I, I sat down for five minutes, but the whole time I made a list in my head about all the things I had to do. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's less about the product of what happens. And exactly as you said, it, it's a practice and yeah, we're here for a good time, but we're also here for a long time. And so it's kind of, I think it's very freeing to accept that it is an ongoing practice and it's not something that I'm ever going to wake up and be like, yes, I'm done. I did it. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. But we do start to feel so much better as we eat better for sure. And I wanted to ask you too about food as medicine and how we can look at it from that lens as well and, and understand how we can literally heal just about everything with how we eat. Truly. It's, I love um, I love that that is really gaining traction, um, that idea of food as medicine, because it is. Um, you know, when we go to the doctor, I wish that, that there was a nutritionist that you see afterwards. Like, you know, you get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and for a certain amount of time, you have to take insulin, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's also these other steps that you can take, so you don't have to do this for your whole life. Um, but a lot of people get these diagnoses and they don't, they don't take that second step to think, okay, how can I participate in my healing? Um, and, and food is the, the one thing that we do three times a day, at least, right? If and around that area. Um, and it really affects us in every sense of the way. The food that we eat quite literally becomes the cells of our bodies. Um, and that's why eating a whole foods diet is so important because many of us are calorically overeating, but we're, we're nutritionally bankrupt. Um, and that's why when you go to McDonald's or you go to a fast food restaurant and you have the burger and fries, you feel full for about 40 minutes and then you're hungry again. And you're like, wait, I just ate because you're not actually feeding yourself. Um, and that was a really beautiful understanding for me too, where no, not every meal, um, you know, has to be so nutritionally packed and dense. Um, you can have, I love this example. One of my teachers said, um, you know, if you, if you have an, a couple Oreos with your grandmother, cause you used to have them when you were a kid and she brought them, that's a moment. That's a special nutritionally dense moment. The Oreos themselves alone, don't give you anything but the fact that you had them with your grandmother in this beautiful moment like that is feeding your soul mm. um and so i think really appreciating the kind of the dynamicism of food um and really knowing that 
nutrition comes in many forms. Um, and one of the main ones is, you know, really eating foods in as close to their natural state as possible. Mm. Um, and that's what will make us feel light and clear headed and energized. We want to have a meal and then be able to go and live our lives. Right. Oftentimes I just think to college when I would have a meal and I'd literally have to go sit down on the couch because you're so full and the food isn't very good for you and it's very heavy. And so I think really tuning in to how you feel before a meal, during and after. Mm. Um, and, and even psychologically, I think nutrition, there's, there's not a lot of studies on this, but um, I think there will be in the future is looking at how we are feeling emotionally as we're eating and how that changes how the body metabolizes food. Um, if you are eating in gratitude and in a place of happiness and um, comfort and uh, feeling safe, your body there's no cortisol in your body because you feel good. You're safe and happy and free. But if you're eating in a place of anger or frustration or stress, you know, our body is excreting stress hormones and that will change how the food that you eat gets metabolized and, and where it goes. You know, evolutionarily speaking, when the body's stressed, it says, oh my God, something's wrong but we need to do everything we can to hold on to this food because, you know, we haven't fully evolved into the food environment that we live in today. Our body still thinks we live in this environment where we're hunting and gathering our food and um, we, we want to survive. The body wants to survive. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a key point too to remember is that um, it is this collaborative process of, of feeding yourself and then seeing how the body responds mm -hmm. um, because everyone responds differently. Um, and one person can promote a ketogenic diet because they feel great, but I could try a ketogenic diet and I feel awful. Um, that base has been beautiful for me. Um, there are some people that can't eat plant based because, you know, their iron levels are really low and, they forget to supplement with B12 or, you know, they're, um, they're vegan, but they're not really eating whole foods at all. They're just not eating any dairy or animal products. Um, and so much of our immune system, I know that that's been on everyone's mind recently, just with COVID and really trying to use all of the tools we have, um, it's frustrating that that hasn't really been touched on. I don't think in the media so much is yes, wear a mask. Yes. Socially distance, wash your hands, do all the things, but also support your immune system. Um, because as we get older, um, our immune system weakens kind of naturally as the aging process goes. And I think it's, sort of similar to the tongue scraping mentality where it's like, yo, you got to participate. You have to work it. Um, and I mean, for me and the, the diet or the lifestyle that I am a big proponent of is just eating real foods. 
Mm-hmm. And I think Michael Pollan said it best when he said, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be full vegan. We've been in Hawaii. We've been enjoying the local fish and it's amazing. And that's part of the experience as well. Um, mm. uh, and so it really is, in my opinion and in my experience and in my studies is tuning into how the foods we're eating affect us on a physical level, on an emotional level, and on a mental level. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can eat all the kale in the world. If, if it's coming from a place of punishment and of, you know, I should be eating this and I can't eat that. And it, it, that's not going to fully serve you. Totally. And I think back to your point as we're talking about emotional states as we're eating is so poignant and so much more uh, literal than I think people even understand. I think when I came out of my Reiki training, I, I just realized how much power our energetic system holds. And, and I also remember that study about how you talk to water and how the molecular water structures change with the mm-hmm. vibration around the water structures. And now when I think about fruits and vegetables that are so water-based, I'm like, it's so important to send so much love to this food and to our bodies because our cells and the cellular structure are literally responding to our vibrational being. Yeah. Just to eat foods that are alive and that aren't just like stagnant, like dead foods, um, you know, that have been through a process that are actually like coming from the trees, like connecting us more deeply on a primal level to our surroundings. Totally. I love that. Yeah. Um, so I also want to ask you, like, this is something I'm working with too, is I did not grow up in a family that like really cooked a lot. We like, we didn't grow up cooking. So it actually took my last boyfriend who was so wonderful and taught me how to cook like really good vegetables and everything. So for somebody who's like, I don't really know how to start eating healthy. Like, how can I make this work for me? Um, how would you make that more accessible for people that are just starting to learn how to cook for themselves? Totally. Um, I mean, the, the kitchen in the beginning can be quite intimidating. And it's something that I struggled with um, because it's like art. You want to, there's a fear in the beginning of like, well, what if I don't like what I make? Um, you know, and then someone might be, well, then I order a pizza. <laughs> but but it's really, I would, I would say having fun with it. Um, and starting with the basics. I mean, going from a heavily processed diet to then suddenly eating, you know, a, a whole foods veg meal um, might sound like an extreme, but like vegetables are so easy to cook. Um, olive oil, salt, pepper, like garlic powder, um, paprika, like these are just really beautiful spices. Um, roasting them up. Uh, we're big fans of roasted vegetables and quinoa with like an easy tahini dressing. It's just tahini, Dijon, olive oil, lemon, salt, pepper, um, a little garlic. Um, but just keeping it simple. And that's also how the body um, absorbs the most nutrients. Uh, I did a raw chef training in Bali a couple of years ago and the teacher was talking about mono meals and this is a, this one that is might be a lot for people because um, we're so used to having you know a couple different sides and this and this and this but 
he was sharing that when you have one um, ingredient, like if you just have a big a meal of like a full pineapple, um, your body is only focusing on digesting that one ingredient. And so it absorbs as much nutrients as possible. Um, in contrast, a surf and turf meal is like so difficult because the body's like, hold on, we've got land meat, we've got sea meat, we've got mashed potatoes, and that's like all these different energies that the body is expending to try to digest the food that we've just eaten. So it's kind of depleting us of energy. Um, and so I would say really keeping it simple. Um, and um, yeah, I love the spices that you just gave us too. I think that was the tricky part for me. Like, okay, I can roast the vegetables, but how do I make this taste good? So learning yeah. just to cook with those basic spices and garlic and everything was so helpful. But so what would an ideal day of eating look like for you? Like what's your, what's your favorite of breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Totally. Um, so it shifts with the seasons for me. Um, I'm just going back to Ayurveda briefly. My dosha, um, for those who don't know, so in Ayurveda, there's three doshas or characteristics, and they're based off of um, your natural kind of uh, state. Um, I'm vata pitta. So vata is air, and pitta is the kind of the perfectionist in me. Pittas are very type A. Um, and so for me, it's important to have very grounding foods, um, especially when it's cold, uh, which was weird being in Hawaii now because normally I would be kind of transitioning, like wouldn't be having smoothies, would be having more like warm um, oats, rolled oats and things like that. Um, but here in Hawaii, because it's still quite warm, I love water in the morning with a little lemon, a big glass, because I otherwise will forget, quite honestly. And it's kind of like making the bed for me, like get the momentum going. So if I have a big glass of water, it's, it's a total mind game, but like I made one great decision and like the great decisions are just going to keep on coming. Um, and then recently I've been having just a lot of fruit for breakfast um, mangoes papayas bananas um i'll have that i will have a, a switched over from coffee to four sigmatic cacao so i'll have one of those a little bit later um for lunch we've hmm, we've been having a lot of poke which has been really really um beautiful it's just so delicious it's so fresh um we've also been making a lot of curries uh which is a really kind of simple recipe that you can play and kind of make your own add different vegetables um and different flavors and that'll get you really um in tune with the spices too um hmm. and then we've uh we've making a lot of like chicken chicken and rice and ginger and white onions and that's another super simple dish that we just make in bulk um, and it's really satisfying and filling and uh, but but also very light one of the cool things that my boyfriend and I have both said is well we haven't been full after our meals we're satisfied but I've never felt like over full um, 
And every day, you know, I wish I, I see those videos of people. They say, this is what I eat in a day. And I, what I eat in a day, it varies. Sometimes I'm not hungry until 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a client ask me the other day, you know, should I be eating first thing in the morning? Should I be fasting in the morning? Um, and she was like, wait, wait, what do I do there? And I said, well, if you wake up in the morning and you're hungry, I think you should eat something. And if you wake up in the morning and for whatever reason you're not hungry, I would wait until you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest things is really like letting go of the rules that we've created um, or that have been passed down to us and um, really tuning in. I, like eating and living with a partner has been fascinating around food because he's hungry at times when I'm not hungry um, or he wants something and I actually don't want that. And sometimes I'll say yes, and then I think for a second, and I'm like, actually, I don't want that. Thank you, though. I enjoy it. Um, and so it's really checking in and tuning in. But for me, someone asked me the other day what my favorite food was, and it's so boring, but it's vegetables. I love <laughs> it. Me too. It feels so good. Yeah. Um, and there's so many beautiful ways to prepare them. And it's just been this experiment, um, which has been really beautiful. Oh, yeah. Those are great little tips for me, too. I'm like getting new recipe ideas. But I could live off of those quinoa bowls with roasted vegetables for life. They're so good. I know. And it's so easy to cook, too, because you can just do a, a sheet pan and just throw mushrooms and potatoes and zucchini and squash and then you can kind of mix it up too. make two dressings make a bunch of quinoa make a bunch of vegetables and then just kind of interchange them mm-hmm. and that's another part of it too is making it easy for ourselves um, oh. if we have food prepared um, we're more likely to eat it mm-hmm Yeah. And I love what you say about like just letting go of the rules because I remember being, you know, a kid in high school or whatever. And our parents were always like, all right, have you eaten breakfast? You can't leave the house until you've eaten breakfast. And I'm like, I don't even think, I can't think while I'm like digesting in the morning. Like I need to be a a clear channel in the morning. And even to today, I don't usually eat until 2 p.m. And it's confusing for people because they'll, you know, maybe be offering to cook breakfast. And I'm like, my body's not going to want that until like two. And then I'll have a really big, nice meal at two and just like chill for a minute and then have another meal, at, you know, in the evening. But I noticed that like, if I start eating at 10, it kickstarts me and it makes me eat more than I even need to throughout the day because I just like the hunger gets going for some reason or it just becomes like into a pattern. So I love that you say that, like, listen to your body. There's some days where maybe we'll naturally feel like, okay, let's fast and detox and juice for a day. And I've been feeling uh, called to do that with cucumber. I mean, sorry, celery juice, cucumber too. But what do you think about celery juice? That's been kind of all the rage recently. Totally. And, and I think the medical medium is very wise. And that, that whole idea of the mono meal is that's exactly it. And um, it's, on an empty stomach it's one ingredient and your body really has all the ability to absorb all the nutrients as quickly and effectively as possible and that's why people have had such great effects with it um so i'm a big fan of that uh and a big fan also like if you get into doing that and it works for you you know and then you 
slowly shift out of it. I think it's all really coming back to what feels good. And I think one of the struggles for a lot of people, as and you just kind of touched on, and I experienced too, for example, when my boyfriend and I first started dating, um, you know, in the morning, he'd be like, okay, great, let's go get breakfast. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, you know, in the beginning we did, and, and it's great. And then I kind of shifted to, all right, let's go to yoga. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I need to eat something first. So he eats something, then we go to yoga, and then maybe we get breakfast after. But it's really finding the courage in yourself, you know. You don't want to be rude to people, you know, if they make you breakfast or offer breakfast or, you know, offer you food at a certain time. It's such an olive branch. Mm-hmm. And I think our natural instinct, especially growing up as kids, is like, okay, you're going to go to their house and make sure you eat the food and don't be rude. And it's like, yes, don't be rude, but also don't eat when you're not hungry or don't yeah. eat when it doesn't serve you. And I think we really have to unlearn that quality or that kind of social norm that I'm supposed to eat when you're eating because I don't want to be rude. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really getting that courage and, and finding that alignment within yourself to, um, to really honor those cues. And a cool moment for me was when I was able to sit with people as they ate, but not eat because I wasn't hungry yet or because I had just eaten or, you know, and, and I remember there was a period for me where I could, I didn't feel like I was able to go out to dinner with a group of people and not eat, you know, even if I had just eaten. So I would just say, Oh, I'll just have two dinners tonight. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, it's this, it's a process. Um, yeah. I love that you brought confidence into there. Cause that's so true. Like we're, we're just trying to people please so much. I still do that too. And it's like, okay, it's okay to say no. And, still be there with gratitude and say, thank you so much. I'm especially experiencing that with, we've got a lot of moving parts in this house and everybody's very fiery. We're very communal and everything, but everybody's cooking for each other. We're trying to do like family dinners too. And so that's been really interesting too, to, to look at food as a communal sense, but also like we can work everybody's needs into this scenario too. Totally. I also wanted to ask you about gut health and I've noticed that my, my skin has been acting up differently, maybe because my diet's been changing. But so now I'm very aware of my probiotics, my gut health, and just looking at my body as um, like a living ecosystem. And I didn't realize how many little microorganisms we have living in us. And we have this own like little celestial planet body that has so much going on in it. I'm like, okay, so now I'm eating kimchi to like, you know, (laughs) even out these gut bacteria. So can you shed any light on gut health and how the gut is affecting our whole system too? Totally. I mean, it's, it's such a buzzword hot topic right now. And it's so cool because it really does remind us um, that the sum of the, it's not just, you know, the stomach or the arm or the head or the body. It's all of it. Everything is connected. And like when I go like this, something else happens, right? Like the body is this one living, breathing miracle. Truly, there's so many systems within us that are going right. Um, and 70% of our immune system lives in our gut. Um, and our gut, 
our good bacteria affects how we feel. Um, it's been linked to depression and anxiety, um, ADHD, all of these things that in before we had compartmentalized and we thought, no, 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 that's a mental thing or that's this other thing. It's, it's all connected. Um, and so probiotics and probiotic foods, naturally fermented foods, um, are a, a very supportive um, a tool and kind of just evening things out. And especially if for whatever reason you have to take antibiotics. Um, I remember when that kind of really clicked for me, the value of probiotics and why they're so important is one of my natural doctors said, if you know, you're taking this antibiotic, make sure to take a probiotic because antibiotics completely wipe out all of the bacteria, um, which is their purpose, but they also, they get the bad bacteria and then they get the good bacteria. Um, and so I think that's also been another thing that I've been thinking a lot recently is like with all the hand sanitizers and all of these things, it's like, yes, clean the system, but also we, we have to kind of naturally create a defense system. Um, and yeah. digestive enzymes are great with that too, with certain foods, but it is, it is really like this whole other living thing within you. Um, yeah. What do you think about um, taking vitamins and supplements? Would you say like, let's just try to get it in our diet naturally first? Or do you think there are supplements that we should be incorporating that we're not necessarily going to find in our food? Definitely. So I recently got some labs done and um, noticed I was low, a little low in B12 and iron. Um, and so those are two that I personally supplement. Um, although, of course, I think getting them in the whole foods form is best, uh, but sometimes that's just not possible um, mm -hmm. or not doable. Um, I think as we move more towards that, I remember when I first became vegan, which I'm not currently, I, I call myself now a very thoughtful eater. Um, so I don't really eat a lot of meat, um, but I would say 99.9% plant-based, but, um, is, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we were just talking about supplementing and iron, like things oh, yeah. you're not necessarily going to get in your food, but I'm right yeah. there with you. I'm, I'm mostly plant-based, but especially for women too, because we have so many hormonal cycles and like, it's so important to listen to our body, like you were saying. And there are times when I'm like, I need chicken or I need, I need some meat right now. And that's okay. I don't need to be so rigid. It's like, yeah, it, your body is yeah. clearly communicating that you need something and that's probably a vitamin or something that you yeah. need to eat. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Totally. And thank you for bringing me back. And <laughs> so I'll say when I first became vegan, I thought I had to supplement with all of these things. And so I literally bought, I had so many supplements. And I think that's kind of, it's a common misconception in the beginning as you start to eat healthier. Okay, well, now I'm thinking about what I'm eating. Now, what are the important vitamins and minerals that I should be getting? Okay, now I need to supplement with all of them. It's kind of in the vein of, you know, more isn't necessarily better. Just because something is good for you, it doesn't mean you need to take it in large quantities. And if you are eating a diverse, um, you know, whole foods diet, you should be getting what you need. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not, uh, you know, supplementing is a, 
a helpful tool. I think it is important to note that, um, you know, I think with carrots was the first example that I read about beta carotene um, in carrots. Very, very helpful. Great, great, great. But alone, beta carotene doesn't have the same effect. And so when you isolate the components, um, you know, psychologically, it might feel like you're getting all the benefits, but it kind of has to be in the whole package. Um, so there are certain things that are helpful and helpful, um, especially for immunity during cold season, flu season. Um, but I would say long term, really trying to get as much from the foods that you're eating um, as you can. And then supplementing literally with supplements um, as your, you know, labs and your doctor uh, recommend. Yeah. So now I wanted to ask you too about humble habits because, you know, you're kind of giving us the whole rundown in, in this way, but how did you come to start humble habits and just tell us a little bit about that? Totally. Um, so it really was, a, I think, a, a combination of, or a, a joint path of my spirituality and, and personal development and my relationship to myself, um, which was happening alongside my relationship to food. Um, as I was getting my master's, I was realizing that food either brings people closer to a source of connection and health and vitality, or it works in the opposite direction. And it works as a source of disconnection and disease and, um, you know, negative feelings. Um, and I just really kept coming back to this is that, wow, it's so powerful. It's, it's, you know, it's light and dark, it's good and bad. And um, in my own relationship with food, I started seeing these parallels in how I spoke to myself and how I thought about myself and how I fed myself, um, literally. And I noticed this shift change when I started to love myself more, I started to care about myself more, and I started to feed myself better, more nutritious food. It was less about um, resisting the bad foods and more about, um, you know, honoring my highest potential. And so Humble Habits really grew out of my own need and necessity and as I was studying, I had friends reach out for this issue and that issue. And most often they came back to the same foundation of relationship to self and, and feelings of worthiness and um, uh, awareness of impulses. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of that then reminded me of my journey in spirituality and my practice of meditation and my letting go of the constant chatter of my mind and okay if I can let go of these thoughts then maybe when I'm working or studying and I feel an impulse to eat something because I'm procrastinating or I don't want to do this like maybe like in meditation I can let I can just hold a little less tightly to this impulse to eat mm -hmm. um, to fill some void um, and I really realized that, you know, so many people in America today, specifically, I think in 2030, it's projected that one in two Americans will be overweight, um, mm. which is just such a sad statistic for so many reasons. Um, and mainly, I think 
because we're not, we don't overeat because we're hungry. You know, we overeat because we don't feel good. Mm -hmm. We're not fulfilled. And so I think spiritual fulfillment and personal fulfillment and nutritional fulfillment, they're all really, they overlap and they link. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I found that as we pay more attention to what's going on inside of us, emotionally, we can honor more what goes inside of us nutritionally. And Mm -hmm. it becomes less of this, you know, rigid, strict thing that I have to follow and becomes more of this intuitive, like, no, 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 I want to honor this voice inside of me that is saying, you know, I'm, I'm not hungry, or I'm hungry for this and not this, and um, really being able to re-empower ourselves to make decisions and instead of looking out, what, what diet do you follow? What do you eat? What do you do? What is that celebrity, right? We're always looking out yeah. and then saying, all right, tell, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's like, oh man, part of me wishes it was that simple, but it's not. I can guide you along a path and give you tips and tricks and techniques, but ultimately like you know what your body needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so humble habits really for me, was a way to heal myself and then naturally it just kind of came from friends reaching out and saying you know you seem to have a really healthy relationship with food I'm struggling with x y and z mm-hmm. do you think you could help me and so I would create these like 10 page pdfs and get really into a specific topic and was really um honored that they trusted me with these um you know challenges and that they were super honest and um, as I created more and more and more I just realized how much I loved sharing all this information mm-hmm. and struggling with it myself I realized that it kind of was part of my mission to help share this information because it really freed me from so much unnecessary um, suffering and uh, and pain and all of this space energetically and in my mental space that I was able to free up when I let go of all these rules and stopped focusing on what I looked like and shifted more over to how I want to feel it was like oh my god this must be what guys feel like they have all this (laughs) extra energy and attention not to think about this and like now I suddenly have all this room to do all this other stuff Mm -hmm. so it really like cleared up so much um for other things and and when you feel good you look good anyways so it's like the better we feel the more we're going to glow and like radiate at our highest potential for sure totally so do you find that um the clients that are coming to you are they mostly women and are they mostly struggling with a deeper emotional issue that you try to get to first and then you'll develop a strategy around that so that's what it really started as and that's what um my my intention was I think because that's where it it was built from Um, but recently actually I've started working with men as well um, which has been really awesome truly and it's it's beautiful to see them open up in such honesty and to really put in the work Um, and it, it also was helpful too because it was like well you know I just said that 
you know, guys don't have this problem and they don't, they don't let food and diet and appearance, et cetera, consume them. Like actually some of, you know, it's, it doesn't really discriminate. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, my experience is from a female perspective, um, but working with men has been really cool too, because it has just humanized the whole experience. And it really is something that, um, that is unique to all of us, but we all have, um, you know, we all have a relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the common denominator or the common thread is this emotional and psychological relationship to it. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that stems to our relationships with ourselves. And that's why I think the, the, you know, working on yourself and working on your health are just right in line with each other. I don't think it's possible for you to do the self work and not have, you know, that bleed into how you're feeding yourself and how you're healing yourself, how you're participating in this process. And I'm actually shocked that, you know, more leaders in the self-help space haven't touched on it or haven't, you know, opened up Um, you know, that portal, because what we eat affects how we feel and and what Mm -hmm. we think about how what we think about what we eat affects how we feel and it's all tied together. And it's so much of what we're thinking about, like all day, we're like, kind of planning our schedules around our meals and food. And sometimes that can be either anxiety provoking and impulsive, or it can be just like a really beautiful way of integrating the day together. So for someone who's like, okay, I'm not where I want to be. What's just the first step that they can take to start unifying that connection? Like if they can just do one thing today to get them closer to a healthier relationship with food, what can that look like? Water is a is a big one um, for me. It's one of the most important nutrients. Um, most a lot of us are dehydrated. Um, I would say a glass of water in the morning and really allowing yourself to be nourished. Um, see if you can shift the attention away from. Um, the, the food itself and, and start to think about the nourishment um, in every sense of the word. So, um, you know, just as you said earlier, is this, is this helping or hurting? Is this helpful? Um, how do I feel about it? Am I, am I happy? Am I happy to be eating this? How do I feel afterwards? It's really connecting to the process and shifting your focus. Um, to see food as a tool it was I think it's the first tool we ever had to feed ourselves and to to give ourselves energy to keep going Um, and so to to shift it to see okay how can I really have this work for me instead Mm -hmm. of work against me Um, and I think just even shifting that headspace of seeing food as a form of nourishment and support mm-hmm. as opposed to something that I have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I am fighting it for whatever reason, seeing if I can just sit in that space and not necessarily do anything or change anything, um, but just sitting in that space of awareness and 
allowing the feelings to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, maybe not even changing any of the eating habits just yet. Maybe just seeing how you're feeling in your body as you reach for certain foods. Yeah. Just Food. observing it first and like not yeah. beating yourself up, but like, okay, if I'm reaching for that piece of cake, am I hungry? Am I anxious? Am I nervous? Am I sad? And then it's okay if you eat it, but just like, how are you actually feeling? Like, Yeah, that's a great tip. And water too. You're just, yesterday I was like at the end of the day and I had like, I never get headaches and I had a little bit of just a a ping. I was like, oh my God, I haven't had like any water today. I've been drinking like juices and coffee, but I haven't had any water. I'm so dehydrated. Yeah, that we all need that reminder. And it's a way of like loving yourself first thing in the morning too. Like that will set set the stage for the day too, it sounds like. Totally. And I just keep this with me at all times. So I remember because otherwise, we do forget. Totally. It really helps to have something that you like to drink out of. Like, I realized I wasn't drinking water out of a water bottle. I need something with like a straw. So I just got like, you know, one of those cups that has like a metal straw. And I just love that thing. And I'll just be happy to drink out of it. So whatever way we can find to like enjoy our water. Exactly. So Molly, where can people find you if they want to work with you, if they just want to follow your journey? Definitely. Um, I have a website. It's um, humblehabits.com. Humble is spelled without the E. Um, Intentionally, I guess, metaphorically, um, removing the ego from the process. Um, Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can be, you know, the ego shows up and the ego is, you know, it's a necessary evil, I would say. We need to be confident. We need to believe in ourselves. We need to pump ourselves up. But the ego also comes out in all these other different ways um, to try to protect us and to keep us from getting vulnerable. And part of this process is opening yourself up to vulnerability. Um, And so I thought that that was kind of a little cheeky play on um, words and and also humble habits on Instagram. Um, you can email me at Molly at humblehabits.com. And um, I love talking about this stuff. I love sharing it. Uh, the first weekend of every month, I'm doing free nutrition calls. Um, so if you have if anyone has any questions or even just um, they want someone to talk to about a, a food experience or things that they um, that are coming up for them. I'm happy uh, and would love to connect. I love that. Thank you. And I'll link all of that in the show notes description so people can just click and find you. Well, Perfect. I love you so much, Molly. Thank you for being in and talking about this. I just always learned so much from you. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. And of course, we'd love to know what you might have learned or what thoughts you might have. So feel free to hit us up. Molly's on Instagram at Molly Hence and at Humble Habits, H-U-M-B-L Habits and humblehabits.com is her website. So if you're interested in working with her, definitely check out her website, send her an email. I'll link all of that below in the show notes. And I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and Helen Denham.com is my website where I post weekly blog posts. You can sign up for my self-care Sunday newsletter there and you can check out music, 
that I've released and past podcast episodes. So all the good stuff is there. I hope you guys are having a beautiful day, doing the best that you can. I know Los Angeles is in another lockdown right now, but we're going to get through it. Let's just take care of ourselves, keep being kind to ourselves and to each other and sending you all good energy and lots of love. Okay. Talk to you soon.